By the way, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> it helps the algorithm. <laughs> to a monster, call him Sugitori. Habio prosintini in police quam. Il de monstra vimos in ano prietori. So what do you uh, possess this week? Is that what this is? Yes. Satan has sent me to tell you your show sucks. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, you say that every week even when you're not possessed. So I don't know why you did all this. Frankly, I don't even know why you want to work here if you hate it so much. Are we still going to the strip club? Oh, you know it. <laughs> what are you reading? Oh, it's the uh, it's the clipper. It's like uh, coupons. Man, they really don't pay you shit around here, do they? All right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Be nice. That ain't working. I want you to be nice. That ain't working. And you'll both be nice. So much as my uh, wife was a giant. But um, I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's the way you do it. <laughs> the Reese Company. Crack open a tepid Genesee and watch the pictures as they travel through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's the Rees Company. I'm Steve Rees, the bull of American broadcasting, alongside the great Chris Morganti. And tonight, we're going to do something uh, that's probably going to make you grateful. Tonight, we're going to dance with the one who brought us. No Kiwi TV disasters. No guys wearing buckets on their heads selling hot boiling ice cream. Yeah. No 11-year-olds yelling in the tape recorders. Nope. We're going back to our vaunted movie of the week of the week format. Yeah, it's been too long. Yeah. Uh, you're very excited? Well, no, but I'm ready. And you've chosen this film. I, I did. Is there anything that made you choose it? Well, I made a, um, as you know, I made a list of potential movies of the week of the week that we could do because it's no good us scrambling on a Monday to try and find one. So I figure we've got a bunch of them we can go to that eliminates some of our uh, prep time. Like a bullpen, a veritable bullpen. Exactly. And um, many of them were heavily favored towards what we've done in the past, which is like uh, the lady in distress, the, uh, the cop solving a murder case type of thing. Yeah. I wanted to go in a different route. And uh, this is, in fact, a murder case, but very different from your typical TV or movie of the week uh, murder case. Yeah. Uh, this one's called The Demon Murder Case. It aired on March 6th, 1983 on NBC, and it stars Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah, a year before he did Footloose. And it's based on... Um, but he, was, he did a bunch of movies before that. Like yeah, Diner he was in and Animal House, Animal House and, yeah. and uh, Friday the 13th. But I guess he wasn't a star until he did Footloose. Right. I don't know. Right. Well, uh, that, that one made him the megastar. He remains to this day. Right. Now, um, 
It's based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, well, well, not really. It, it's. Yeah. It, I don't want to say it's based on a true story. It's based on a story yeah. involving an actual murder case. Right. And I don't know how much of the story you want to get into before we start watching it. Well, here's the thing. The movie itself starts out at the trial. Um, and it's got, you know, a bane of when we talk about these movies, it's got the typical three-minute intro with the credits. Right. And I think they were trying to do like a thing like The Shining, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's just Kevin Bacon as a prisoner on a bus driving. The sole passenger. Yeah. And uh, I think they were trying to be like The Shining, you know, that, with that famous intro. But uh, then they get to the courthouse, and there's reporters and lawyers and judges. And uh, I said, hey, let's just skip all that, and let's go to eight minutes in where the, the what do you call it, a chyron or whatever the words right, on the screen right, come up. CG. And the said, lower third, I guess they call it today. Okay. And it says one year earlier. And that's when you get to the interesting part. So uh, it'll come back to the murder case at the end, of course. But uh, I thought, let's get into the, to the meat of this. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that's where I started with it. That's just it, Chris. It's been so long since we've done this, I forgot to cue the intro. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Jim, for uh, reminding us. Yeah. Okay, so uh, your first chosen clip is a year before the murder trial. Yeah, and um, well, we'll see what it is. But I I should point out the, uh, for me, and you know my hearing isn't all that great, but I found the audio to be at times a problem. I don't know if you found the same thing. Right. Yeah, it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the best quality video or audio. I had to watch this first scene three times before I could figure out everything that was being said. But I could still be wrong. So after the clip, I'd like to give you my interpretation of what was said. And you can tell me if I'm right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let's see it. No. Oh, well, you just had a scare. Worse than that, Mom. Did you really see this, this little man? The beast, Mom. I saw him. What'd he look like? Like he'd been burnt all over in a fire. All black and charred. And his eyes way back in. Anything else? Yeah, he had an old beat-up hat and a plaid shirt. And jeans with holes in the knees. And he had little feet with hooves on them like a deer. Did he say anything? Yeah, he said, beware. And he pointed his finger at me. And then he threw me up and down. What's his name, did he say? The Beast. That's his name. It's all over now. You never have to go back there again. I'm not going back. But neither is he. Neither is he? Do you mean the Beast? Yeah, he followed us all the way here from Newtown. Do you mean that he's, that he's here now? Yeah, he was down there by the gate when we came in. Brian, are you sure? You think I'm crazy, don't you? No. Or maybe I'm making it up. Ryan, I believe every word that you're saying. I hope so, Mom. Because I'm really scared. Now, here's what I think was said in that scene. Uh, I'm a little pussy boy who's afraid of ghosts. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not in those words. Oh. (laughs) 
Okay. It was much more uh, articulated. Oh, oh okay. And uh, there, were, there was a lot more said, but I guess you can argue that that's what it amounts to. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. Now, um, there was more said, and I, I believe what happened uh, was that uh, Kevin Bacon and his redheaded girlfriend uh, are living with her parents, and that was the mom there, and, yes. they, and their son, younger son. Yes. Right. So they were trying to now, move. Uh, the, the parents' his younger son. Yeah. Kevin Bacon's girlfriend's brother and his mother right. are the ones. And the son's, uh, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to confuse people. Kevin Bacon isn't related to any of these people we just saw. Yeah, he, he's dating the older daughter. He's a potential in-law to uh, both of these folks. Yeah, and I believe they were trying to move them, Kevin Bacon and his redhead girlfriend, into uh, like a house. And that's where they first encountered the demon. Uh, but then it followed them home. And even um, and Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend are still living with the parents, so that that was what you know also was said in that scene. So that kind of sets up uh, the next scene. The demon followed him home, and and then uh, this happens. But let me point out, Steve, uh, uh, this this happened before Ritalin and Adderall were invented. So. What is it? Brian says it's the beast again. He's right over there. Can't you see him? He's got a knife, and he's going to cut me. Brian, honey, there's nobody there. You're having a, a bad dream. I'm not asleep, Mom. Watch out, or he'll cut you, too. It's all right, sweetheart. Let me hold you. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Brian, that hurts. Now that's enough, Brian. I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't mean it. Sweetheart, I know you're upset. Come here. <laughs> Brian, stop that. Do you think he kind of looks like Haley Joel Osment there? Uh, yeah, he does. The Sixth Sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not him, though. No. It's too... No. I don't think he was born yet. No, it. probably not. Yeah. Yeah, you can see all that blood. Yeah. Well, Steve, this nonsense continues until eventually uh, this happens, the next scene. Yeah, it, it goes on for quite a while. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we... Someone calls the law? Yeah. Well, that's what we're actually we're about to see. Okay. Yeah. They got a noise complaint. Downstairs complaining about the noise. Noise! How the hell? Noise! 
Now, Steve, there's been a few great lines in the history of us watching these movies. I, I would like to nominate this next line. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, everything's under control. <laughs> yep. Sure sounds like it. <laughs> Steve, I don't know what line of work this guy is in, but uh, he yeah. considers that to be everything under control. I hope he's not an airline pilot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, um, the next scene, I, I couldn't figure out even why it was in the film. Uh, it, it makes no sense. It's just about a guy who, who just came from an Alice Cooper concert. I don't know why this is in here. Hey, something wrong? She's gonna believe this. Ron, I think... I think I may have just heard the voice of the devil. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we all like his music. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Similarly, uh, this, this next scene seems kind of random, but... Uh, it's an important, yes, yes. important cameo appearance. So, uh, yeah, let's let that go. Let's check it out. Hello. Yeah, it's yes, uh, it's Herb Manganess. Herb Manganess yeah. makes an appearance. He's just checking in on the demon child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next, uh, th those I believe that call was placed to those the two people in that scene were the uh, the charlatans. I mean, uh, paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, noted paranormal investigators. Yeah, you know them from the Amityville Horror and the Doll Annabelle, you know, and other movies that they made about them. Right. Um, I, I don't think this one ever got the silver screen treatment. Uh, or did it? Uh, actually, it did recently. Okay. Um, last year, there was a Netflix film called uh, The Conjuring 3. Oh. That was also based on this story. Oh. Well. Okay. I think it was more loosely based on this story, but um, I, I've seen comments on the YouTube channel that this was the original version of the movie that was released last year. Did you see it? I did not. No, me neither. All right. Well, anyway, the, the War Ed and Lorraine Warren show up, and the Catholic Church... Uh, to get involved to, to figure out, you know, what's wrong with this kid. And, uh, you know, Steve, the, the guys at my neighborhood bar had a theory. Oh, yeah. Uh, they said he doesn't get his ass beat enough. <laughs> but uh, anyway, there's a lot of scenes like this. I mean, there was literally like 20, 25 minutes of this. I just picked out a small, it's only like 30 seconds of this. To okay, but before we do this, shall we talk about the Warrens? Sure. And what their gimmick actually was. Yeah, I'd love to. They were a married couple. Um, the, the woman, uh, she was a, a, a psychic. She self-built psychic. And her husband was a demonologist. Now, right. demonology, uh, when you hear ology, sometimes you think science, sometimes you think uh, belief. In this case, it's just a belief. Right. There's no science behind any of this. Jim, can we pull up a picture of them for real? But what they would do is um, anytime someone had a psychotic episode, only in New England. It would have to take place within driving distance. Sure. Well, These yeah, folks like, would show up and, and insist that uh, the entire thing was the work of Satan. And people bought it. They sold books. They made movies. And the, a fortune. 
as a result of, uh, as you described them as charlatans, as a result of this uh, chicanery. Yeah. And uh, we'll get a picture of them up at some point. But um, And a lot of people did not get the mental help they needed because of... I, I suppose that's that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I and said, not necessarily because they intervened. I don't know specifically to them, but I'm sure there were a lot of cases where people who actually needed mental help right. were not treated properly because their family believed things that they had seen in these uh, movies and read in the books that the Warrens wrote. Yeah. And I know as far as the Amityville Horror goes, they were kind of accused of being in on it as a way just to sell a book deal. Correct. You know, and make some money. To sell books to morons, and that yeah. that they did and continue to. But if you see the picture of them, they don't they don't look all that reputable. <laughs> you know. They look like what they are. They look like they should be owning a used car lot. So <laughs> Well, in a way they did. Right. So are we seeing the next scene now or are we um, Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is the Catholic Church and the Warrens trying to help this kid. After all. Basilis Tubas Natu Zilap Sabukni Sabukni He is Incubus A demon of lust Yeah, so there's a lot of that, like I said. And then finally we get this next clip, which is just the kid floating out of bed and, you know, out the bedroom door. And yes, we do know that's Andy Griffith playing um, yeah. Mr. Warren. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, if I, all right. If I saw something like that, you don't think that'd be like a life-changing event, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Right now, during this incident, a reporter shows up outside the home. Yes, and uh, Andy Griffith, the the male Warren, he's there and he says uh, she's not allowed in; she can't have access mm-hmm. for for the sake of the family's privacy. Sure, not that um, not, not that this uh, whole thing is a work, right? That's not it. It's, a, it's for the privacy of the family. Now, if, if demonic possession was a real thing and it was a threat to uh, humanity, wouldn't you want a reputable reporter to witness it and document it yeah. so that people could be warned? This is the stand going on in real time. Yeah. I mean, there was someone floating out the bedroom door. Yeah. Yeah. Have someone there who could maybe take a photograph of that. Mm-hmm. That might help. Um. And, and what he says, what Andy Griffith says to the reporter is, uh, well, we don't need any non-believers in there because they'll some, the, somehow that'll aggravate the demon. <laughs> yeah, because he's being so reasonable so far. <laughs> you don't want to aggravate him. You know, it, it occurs to me, Steve, that usually when we talk about things, uh, you know, one of us, even if it's not our true feelings, will try to take the other side just so there's some kind of like give and take. Oh, no, this is going to be a pile on, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Neither of us are putting in, ourselves in the position of, uh, you know... All right, so what do we have next? Uh, oh, the next part, is just, this is short. They're all short from here. But uh, the next part is actually relevant to the murder case. We haven't really talked about the murder case at all yet. But uh, this is the first part that's actually relevant to that. No, and at this point, I'm sorry, can I say, at this point, as a viewer, you think, oh, it's a murder. Right. You think something else is going to happen. Uh, I was led to believe something else was going to be the titular murder. Oh, you thought the kid was going to kill somebody? 
I thought Kevin Bacon was going to murder the kid. Oh. Now, we know from the outset that Kevin Bacon is on trial because we watched his eight-minute bus ride to the courthouse. Right. Uh, we don't know who he killed. We do not know that, right. So I thought perhaps uh, the whole idea was uh, Kevin Bacon murders the kid because he's threatened by this guy who's possessed kid who's possessed by a demon, and his defense is he was possessed by a demon. Right. But that turns out not to be the case at all. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's see the next one. Poor kid. We got to take him fishing with us next time we go. I don't know when that'll be once I take this job. Oh, you made up your mind to take it. Kenny, got to get out of that house. And here's a job with a free apartment attached. How can I say no to this? I, I could find this an apartment. Ken, you've been looking for three months. Places you wouldn't. Yeah, so that's it. They, they're living with the demon kid. And they're like, you know, trying to, well, they're a young couple. Um, they just want to get out of there. Yeah. So she gets offered a job with, and, and we'll see later. She gets offered a job by a real scumbag who owns a kennel, but also has an apartment that she can stay at as part of her compensation. Right. Yeah, her and, her and Kevin Bacon can both stay there. So, so that's the gist of that. Um, they just want to get out of that house. Um, Next, we have, uh, I just have roast battle written down for this clip. I don't even know what that means, but maybe we can check, a, check this out. Sing! Dead man! Dead man! Don't you call me a dead man? You're the one that's dead. And if you ain't dead, I'll kill you! You come out of Brian. I'll take you on. I'll take you on. You hear me? Kenny! No! They told you not to say that! I don't care! I've had enough! You stink! Your yellow guts stink! No! You! you you're the one who stinks! You're the one who stinks, man! You come out of Brian so I can fight you! You come into me, I'll show you who stinks! <laughs> Yeah. So what we have happening here is uh, he challenged the demon to leave the little kid's body and come into his. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what happened. And then this next scene we see, which I'm sure is how, how it happened, uh, we see that the, the demon has indeed uh, gone into Kevin Bacon's body. The transformation has occurred. Yeah. Goats are getting a bad rap through all this. <laughs> I'm not sure why they're so connected with demons. Cloven hooves. Is that is that? The, yeah, but why though? I think that's the connection. Don't cows have cloven hooves too, and deer and stuff? M- many animals do. Right. I mean, I was at a petting zoo not two weeks ago. The goats were so nice; you could walk up to them, feed them, pet them. I don't get it. Why are they, Why are they getting a bad rap? Well, I I think they're being besmirched for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Um, what what's next? Uh, oh, here we see the uh, the the uh, boss slash landlord yeah. that I mentioned before. Can we talk about this guy for a bit? Yeah. Um, as you said, he's a kennel owner, and he's hired Kevin Bacon's girlfriend as a, as a groomer, a dog groomer. Right. He's also running her and Kevin an apartment, which you've also pointed out. He also has a very um, peculiar or particular fascination. Yeah. With the country of Australia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So much so that it seems like he almost has an Australian accent. But he's not from there. No, he's indeed an American. Right. He visits frequently. So Kevin, his girlfriend, Kevin's sisters, I think they're his sisters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like two sisters and a cousin, something like that. Okay. Yeah. They all go out to lunch and uh, they're drinking, particularly the guy who's obsessed with Australia, the right. boss of Kevin Bacon's girlfriend. And he's really laying on this Australian gimmick. Yeah, he wants them to go back to his place and listen to Australian music. I think his exact words were, uh, come back to my flat, we'll throw around the boomerang and watch Cold Chisel on the Don Lane show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we get it. We get it. You're an Aussie-loving fool. Relax, buddy. Yeah. Relax, mate. That's an that's a odd angle to take when trying to pick up a girl. <laughs> like, not that you're from Australia. Like maybe maybe that was his thing. Like he wanted to act like he was from Australia, but he just couldn't get the accent right. <laughs> the accent, so he was. Yeah, no, I just really like it. That's he, all. he was yeah. instead a, a, an enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is well. Actually, what we're going to see is uh, he gets tipsy and a bit handsy with Kevin Bacon's redheaded girlfriend. And uh, now you keep saying redheaded. Is that a factor? Is that a? Well, I just want people to know. Oh, oh like, who the? I don't know any of these people's names. No, I, wonder, I wondered Bacon. if you found that aspect uh, alluring in some way because she's a, she's a pretty gal. Yeah, I don't think she did much after this uh, in, in Hollywood wise, but uh, no, I just want people to be able to identify identify who the these people are. Because you're going to know who Kevin Bacon is. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's Kevin Bacon. And the other adult in this scene is the crazy landlord. So. I'm warning you, Philip. You're not walking out on me. Can't you hear me? You're singing with me. You let her go! Sport? Hey! You called him Sport? Stop it right now! Okay, can we, can we stop it? Did you notice how nonchalant that dog was just sitting there? <laughs> like, at one point, in the, I think earlier in the scene, they showed the dog barking. But then when they got to hear the dog's just like, he's had enough. <laughs> man, man, this is a long shoot, guys. When are we wrapping this up? <laughs> I'm, off the, I'm off the clock over. I'm on dog hours. You have to replace me with, with a twin after 15 minutes on the set. So... <laughs> Sport, huh? Sport, he calls him Sport again. No, both of you, stop it right now! Yeah, he's been very uh, condescending to him throughout, you know, the whole process, so.
good acting by Kevin right there. Really? Yeah. I think he looks otherworldly. Okay. What's that guy doing? <laughs> was no. I spoke too soon. No. No. I don't think goats make that noise. No. I mean, what is that? Oh, oh, this. Oh, he's pumping his fist, probably for a rugby match. Nancy, look at that! <laughs> yeah, well, he's dead. Yeah. And to think just a few years later, things would have gone down differently. Because that guy would have known to have said, that ain't a knife. This is a knife. Yeah. Yeah. He narrowly missed that opportunity. And Kevin would have scampered away. Yeah. Um, all right. We only have one more clip here. It's, uh, oh, okay. Now, this, this takes us back to the trial, I think. Maybe not. Uh, but, uh, okay. But also, um, you did point out earlier that uh, this seems like a clear case of two drunk guys fighting over a woman. Right. Yeah, that's all. That's I mean, an outsider would conclude that's what just happened. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, Matlock has some other ideas. He was possessed by demons, and we're going to go the limit to try to convince people and the court that this boy did come under possession and was under possession at the time of the stabbing. But is possession a defense? If it isn't, it should be. Well, it turns out, Steve, the, the judge was having none of that, refused to hear any of the evidence, uh, and the guy ended up being convicted of uh, manslaughter, and, and he served five years, which, you know, I, I don't know what, I guess that's par for the course of manslaughter, I don't know. I mean, it seems, that seems reasonable, like, that he was provoked into that in some way, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, I don't feel like he ever thought his life was in danger, he was the one with the weapon. It's very hard to prove. But he may have felt that his cousin or his sister were in danger so i don't look i'm not a lawyer okay but uh, I, I think we should also say that the judge's reasoning for not allowing any of the uh, quote-unquote evidence right. of demonic possession was that number one there's no such defense and if there was there's no way to prove it right the best uh, plea probably would have been temporary insanity yeah but if you admit you're insane you're admitting that possession is a medical problem and not an otherworldly interference problem. Right. And that kind of... Uh, yeah, an insanity defense would have made sense because, like, look, I've been living with this kid who gets up every night and howls like a freaking wolf and keeps us all up. I haven't had a good night's sleep in two years. I mean, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you, you know? But uh, that's, not what, that's not where they went with that. You know, what I didn't find out post this case, uh, did the... Did those two ever get back together? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I believe, uh, from what I read, uh, the family stuck beside him. And I believe that included his girlfriend. Oh, okay. But uh, I do not know for sure. Well, I, I don't know that the whole family stuck beside them. I oh, actually, uh, there was one guy, Carl, who right. I don't think we saw. Wow. And, and they cut him out of the movie. Yeah, there might be a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he said the whole thing was nonsense. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... They had to stick with the demonic possession thing for the sake of the potential profits of, uh, you know, the, all of the media that would result. Yeah. It hurts your case when you have a skeptic who lived in the house. Right. Yeah. You know how much they got? Oh, for the book or for the movie? How much the family was compensated, I believe, for the book. 
Oh, you know what? I, I kind of remember it being kind of low. $2,000. Oh. oh, man. Wow, did they need an agent. They stuck with the story mm. for $2,000. Now, look, in 1981, 1983, whatever it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot more than it is today. But still, not enough yeah. to commit to this lie. Yeah. And a lie that endangers people. Because people with real mental health issues are not getting the attention they deserve because some people believe in this nonsense. Maybe, it was very prevalent in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Maybe the motive was more than financial, though. Like, maybe they got a reputation around town as being just nuts. And they're like, hey, look, it's not our fault. There's this demon. He's been after us. You know? we're, we, we used to be normal. And then, you know, you don't know. So maybe it was more than a financial motive. I don't know. All right, so uh, before uh, before we rate it, I forgot we even did that. Okay. We do. All right. Um, you want to do the YouTube comment? Yeah, you know there were actually a lot of comments on on this movie, um, but one I think really kind of summed everything up. So if we could put that on screen, is it on? Okay. I I want to know if I can get it on my own personal information to be in touch with your own home and office and, and the other hand. So that comes from Willie Hicks. And, you know, thank you for that. I think he, that's what we were all thinking. So <laughs> thanks, Willie. Voice of the people. Right. So, so what, what would you rate this? I'd rate this one two out of five, Meredith Baxter's. Now, do you feel like your disdain for the subject matter has colored your opinion on the film itself? No. Uh, my opinion of the film itself is that nothing much happens. Yeah. We see a lot of the same scene or some version of the same scene over and over. Yeah. There are really only two things that occur. The kid loses his mind and Kevin Bacon kills somebody. These things are clearly unrelated yeah. to anyone with half a brain. Right. Yet um, it, it's, it's dragged out far too long. And the two, uh, the, the principles try to make a dovetail joint out of the two incidents. But uh, in reality, those things don't seem cohesive. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I'll just go with two as well. Um, I thought, like I said, the beginning reminded me of The Shining, the mm -hmm. intro, even though I hate long intros, but it still did. And then when that reporter first pops up, I thought it was, I thought maybe there was some potential here. Um, but they should have, I feel like they should have gone right in, they could have used that kind of scary mood setting if they'd started with the kid being meeting the demon, you know, why they, why they chose to start this in a courtroom. Uh, I don't, it just seemed like a misstep. Yeah. It would have made a lot more sense had they had the scene where the kid encounters the demon the first time instead of just having him describe it. Yeah. The whole thing could have been told chronologically instead of how they did it. But, uh, you know, I don't make films. I don't know. So we both agree, two out of five Meredith Baxters. You know who the voice of the demon was? I forget. Harvey Firestein. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good for him. Getting some work. <laughs> yeah. But when, when you know that, if I had known that watching it, the, uh, the demon parts would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know his work. I, just, I know him as like a... Personality. You see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you've seen him in a lot of Hollywood things. Hollywood Squares? Was he in that? Uh, oh. uh, no, I think you're 
<laughs> yeah. oh, never mind. I, I can name <laughs> I can name a couple of people I think you're thinking. <laughs> okay. Well, then never mind. All right. In that case, did, Chris, did we do it? I guess we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, and thanks so much to Jim. Uh, hey, for Chris Morgani, I'm Steve Rees. Ask Wee. Ask you all. back in Al. Tigers. Eat them raw. We did it, sir. Have you or a member of your family been possessed by a demon? Have you been charged with noise violations, failure to upkeep your property, theft, incest, or murder? Don't take the rap. It's not your fault Satan chose to prey on your family. Contact us, the law firm of Monconess and Albano. You can find us on Google. Do not use Yelp.